All right, all right. Well, good morning. How you doing this morning? Excited to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, make a little big noise, man. You, you guys are rowdy this morning, man. It's just good to be worshiping with our family and seeing so many people get baptized. I mean, that's what it's all about. Listen, if it's your first time or first time in a long time, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. We want to welcome everybody online, and we want to welcome all of our campuses. We are one church in three locations, at least till Easter, because last week, if you were here, you saw Pastor Aaron. He's our campus pastor in Grayson, and Pastor Aaron is going to be taking that campus and making its own autonomous church and they're going to launch on Easter Sunday. They're going to be Foundations Church right there in Grayson and we cannot be more excited for him and Carter County. Come on, can we get excited for what God is doing through Pastor Aaron and Tate and Caleb and Emily. We love you guys. We believe in you and we can't wait to see what God is going to do. Man, I'm telling you, this this new series that we're going to be walking through, is it's really exciting. I think fitting for our, our time and uh, because we're gonna be looking at encountering Jesus. We're gonna be talking about revival and spiritual waking, all that stuff. But this past Friday night, I realized something. I realized how old I really am. You never had that realization, like you just really, you come to the point, you still think you're young in your mind, but your body doesn't operate that way. And, and so uh, my friend, Pastor Allen at Emmanuel Baptist in Corbin, I, I'm their camp pastor. So for the last eight years, I've been preaching at their camp with them. We are great friends. He's an elder, even in our church. And so I uh, have such a great connection. And speaking of being their camp pastor, I just wanna go and just throw this out there to you. But this summer, we're gonna take our year Youth, with their youth to Lake Michigan to be part of their camp. And so we have a summer camp for our students. We have more information coming, but I've been preaching at that camp for the last eight years. I'm gonna be preaching there this year, this summer. And so just wanna throw that out there. I can't wait for our students to be able to go uh, with them. It's gonna be so much fun. But anyway, went to this went to this lock-in and I realized I can't do this anymore, man. Like I cannot... I, ca- I cannot stay with 250 middle schoolers for all night long, up all night with energy drinks and all that stuff. That is not for me. I will pray for them, we will bless them, we will fund them, but I ain't staying up with them. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it will take. And so Pastor Brandon got to go and preach to the students and as best as we know, at least that told us, there were 19 students giving their life to Jesus on Friday. Was that amazing? That is so good because I think that just kind of goes into what I would like to talk about, especially over the next several weeks. I would really like for you, for me, to have an encounter with Jesus. In fact, I struggled with really what to title this series because there was so much just like I wanted to think through and say and accomplish and, and communicate to you as your pastor. And the word that I landed on that really I think will fit this leading all the way up to Easter is this word encounter. I really desire for all of us to really encounter Jesus. And so I just want you to know, today is this kind of a setup for the entire series of where we're going. In fact, I'm not really here to preach this morning. You're like, well, what are you doing on stage? You know what I mean by that is I just really wanna share with you from my heart. I just wanna share with you. I don't wanna preach at you, I don't wanna preach, I don't really wanna deliver like this message that I have. I just wanna share with you what I'm sensing, what I'm praying that's gonna happen over the next several weeks leading into Easter, which you all know is the best and the biggest time for you to invite your lost friends and people to and your, your family members. People say that is Super Bowl Sunday. I think every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday because he lives. He just don't live on Easter. He's alive every single time we come in this place and worship him. And so I really wanna focus on this 
this word encounter and talk through what does it look like to truly encounter Jesus. And so I just wanna share with you, just wanna share, pulling up a stool for having a conversation, you know, having a cup of coffee, which I don't have, by the way. But anyway, if I did, it would be awesome. But anyway, I don't, no, don't go get me one. Somebody's gonna go grab me a cup of coffee. I don't need one, trust me. You don't want me jacked up on coffee right now. And so I just really wanted to share with you because I, I think if we get this, there is a spiritual temperature over the last several weeks that has been turned up. God is up to something. God is doing something. Now, if you're, if you're familiar and you, you've been around a little bit, and especially here in Kentucky, you've heard about this thing happening over in Asbury called the Asbury Revival. Several of us actually visited there, and you, you know what I'm talking about. And this has sparked all kinds of things. All kinds of, when you have revival take place like this, everyone comes out of the woodworks. I mean, the haters come out, um, you know, like the Pharisees come out, like weird people come out, like they love Jesus, but they're weird, you know what I'm saying? Like weird people come out, and then, you know, and then you have false prophets will come out, and every, if you'll go study, and I've been a student of revival, I've studied revivals, I've studied the great awakenings, and all that took place. When you study those things, the enemy is there to do everything he can to destroy the work of God. The enemy is gonna do everything he can to, to cast doubt and throw, you know, the Bible also says he masquerades as light, like he wants you to think things are good when it's actually going sideways. So the Asbury Revival broke out, Now I don't know if you know this, but it's not the first time this has ever happened. In 1970, Asbury went through a revival. The, the president of the university was out of the country. Students begin to pray and fast and repent and seek God. He gets word about it. He's out of the country, what's happening back on his college campus. And in that moment over the next two weeks, college students went out all over the campus, and watch this, 130 college campuses were impacted because of the 1970 Asbury Revival. See, prayer ushers in revival, but testimonies flames it. I mean, just moves it, and it breathes across the country. And so I have a pastor friend who's in South Carolina. He called me up. He has a podcast and tons of listeners and stuff. He said, he goes, Daniel, listen, you're right there in Kentucky. It's in your backyard. You went there. Would you let me interview you on my podcast about what's happening at the Asbury Revival? I said, absolutely. It'd be awesome. Let's make it happen. So we scheduled it and I get to share with him my experience. And so this, it was a week past the Asbury, Asbury Revival started. On that Thursday morning, I took some of the staff and said, anybody want to go? Let's go. Me and my wife are going to go up there. And when we got there, it was about 10, 15, it was cold, it was raining, and they, the doors were shut because the night before, they, at one o'clock, they closed it down and said, get you some rest, go home, we have to you know, figure this out, how we're gonna organize this. And so now it's two hours later, two hours before the doors open. Now, your boy is like, I don't like to be cold. I can go home and have a church service, and I don't wanna stand in the rain, and if I have to use the bathroom, there's porta parties everywhere. I'm just saying, that's your boy, that's just your boy here, okay? I'm like, I, I like, listen, that was good. We had a good fellowship hour driving up here. Let's go on back home. You know, that's my mindset, let's just go. And then, and then someone's like, well, we've been here, you know, and we've, we've been here, we've drove here, let's just wait. Who stands in the rain two hours for a church service? I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, when we start that, like, who just stands outside in the cold rain with an umbrella for a church service? Now, we were one of the first few there. There's probably about maybe 75 people, 100 people in front of us, and we're standing there. And about 30 minutes had passed, a couple hundred more people. Within an hour, there were about 600 people lined up. I said, okay, I'll wait another hour for the church service. Like, where's all these people coming from? Well, these two girls in front of us, we asked them, I said, where are you from? And, and they said, well, we're, we're, we drove about three and a half hours this morning. They've been standing in line now to this time, two and a half hours, just waiting to get in a church service. And I'm like, 
dear Lord, God must be up to something. Like, who waits outside for church? I mean, half of us are always late. Come on now, let's just call it what For church, so I'm like, this is crazy. So 12 comes, and I look at our team and says, if they don't open the door at 12, I'm leaving. Like, I'm leaving. They said 12, the sign says 12, open the door at 12. It's not, it's 12.15. I'm like, come on. Like, you know, and so I didn't know what to expect. I'm just being real. I didn't know what to expect. And so we went in, and we sat down, and they gave some house rules of what to do, and, and you know, where the bathrooms, and this is the house of worship, and, and all this stuff. And before we get into worship, I want you to know, I want you to pray, repent, ask God to open your heart, and then when you feel led to worship, worship. Well, within five minutes, the whole place was packed out and everywhere and people's in overflow and some guy gets up with acoustic guitar and begins to lead worship. And so I'm, I've studied enough about revival that really revival is when you, to repent and get your heart right before Lord. So I'd sit probably 70% of the time I was there, I was praying, God, speak to me, your servant's listening. God, speak to me, what, is there anything between me and you? Is there any sin? Is there anything I've not confessed? Or is there any un, un, unbroken fellowship between me and you? Because God, if I want to experience renewal, if I want to experience refreshing, I I have to repent. And so I would sit there and say, God, just speak to me. What do you want to say? Why'd you bring me here? And and, and, okay, I repent that I was upset. I stood two and a half hours outside in the cold and I was hungry and this, okay, I repent of that. Okay, what, I mean, just being real, like what, you know, my attitude of I just want to leave and not stand in line for church service. Okay, I repent. Like, God, what do you want to say to me? And, and, and through that time, I, I really can't explain because you gotta be careful with your feelings because your feelings are subjective and they will lie to you. Your feelings sometimes, you know, everyone feels different because no one knows what you carry with you. Every one of us have different upbringings, different experiences, and different emotions. So you gotta be very careful when somebody says, I feel something. You really have to take it to scripture and examine those emotions, those feelings. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. But man, something just, something just took place. It was, how I could explain it to you is a beautiful, joyful moment. I don't know if it was the acoustics of the room in this 100-year-old facility, but when people began to sing, it was beautiful. It was no flash. There, there was no light show. There was, there was nothing that there. It was just the, the sound was like harmonized. It was, it was beautiful. Just listen to it. My heart was full of joy. If I could tell you a feeling, I just had a joyful feeling because the time that we went, 75% of the people in the auditorium were not young people. There were adults. There were senior adults. There were gray-headed grandma and grandpas laying in the floor begging God to save the next generation. The ones that you would think say, you owe me, I've, I've paid it in, you know, now I've, I made it and it's all about me. They were there humbling themselves, begging God to save the next generation. And I was just blessed by seeing, you know, I'm, I'm 46 coming April. I was blessed by seeing older people, way older than me, begging God to move in the younger generation. That just blessed my heart. I mean, warmed my heart. And so it was this joyful moment and um, we, we left and, and of course, we debrief on the way home. Like, How'd you think about what's going on? Because I didn't know what to expect because I never experienced, if you want to say experienced, a breakout of a revival. And some people call it a spiritual awakening. Some people call it an outpouring of God's spirit. Some people call it a revival. I'm gonna break those things down as we walk through as best as we can so you kind of understand what was taking place. And when people talk to you about it, like what's going on in your backyard or in this, this moment. And so I had some takeaways. And these are some of the takeaways. They're not notes, but here's some of my takeaways. From this, from this revival that we went on. The first thing was this. Everyone wanted to be there. Now, I want you to think about this. Every single person wanted to be there. Everyone showed up, wait, outline, in, outside, in the rain, cold, because they wanted to experience something. 
So the first thing I took away was one, everyone wanted to be there. The second thing, everyone wasn't expecting there was gonna encounter God. They came expecting, I'm gonna encounter Jesus. Now let's just be real. God don't dwell in man-made things. God don't dwell in buildings. We are the temple of God. Like we don't go to church, we bring the church to a building. This is just a building. It's nothing sacred. God, there's no idols here. This is, we don't worship a facility. So when it comes to a building, there was nothing special about a 100-year-old building or a campus or a campus out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing special about the building. It's the people, they came expecting, we're the church, to encounter God. And I was blown away that people came expecting that God was going to speak to them. They came with the anticipation. You could see it, you could feel it outside. Like people are just waiting, I'm gonna experience something. God's here, God's gonna speak to me. There's this overwhelming, I was anticipating. I didn't even know what to expect. I don't, I've never been part of something like this type of a movement. So I was anticipating God to do something. Everyone was praying, everyone was worshiping, and then lastly, everyone came in, at least they were told, now you don't know one's heart, but they were told, repent and get your heart right before you worship the Lord. Now, could you imagine? Could you imagine every single church on the planet right now worshiping? Everyone came early. Everyone came expecting to encounter God. Everyone came anticipating, God's gonna speak to me today. God's gonna change something in my life today. God is gonna point out something in my life. God's gonna reveal anything that's broken our fellowship. I can't wait to see what God is gonna do in my life, in my family life, and in our church family life. Could you imagine if every single believer on the planet, before they walked, I'm talking to Christians, before they stepped into or brought the church to a building or corporate worship, got before God at home and said, God, is there anything between me and you before I go worship with our church family? God, is there any unbroken fellowship? Is there any unconfessed sin? Is there anything blocking me from hearing you and worshiping you and experiencing you today? Could you imagine if all of us would do that before we even stepped into the doors? You want me to tell you what would happen? You'd have an encounter. Now, would an epic center revival take place that breaks forth worldwide? I don't know. Because I've never really been a part of a place where everyone comes expecting, waiting, anticipating, God, my heart is clean, and we're all singing, and we're, we're all unified, desiring the same thing, and it's not selfish things, it's all about Jesus. Could you imagine what would take place? And so, you have the Asbury Revival, and, and they stop, but just because they stop don't mean the spirit. People always says, you know, why does revival end? Revival was never made to be continuous. God set a time, and you go all through the scriptures, you can study all church history, there's revival for a moment to revive, to wake up the church. And then all things can stop and hinder it from sin, some band-made stuff, and we can continue on to talk about, but that's a, that's a whole another movement. But right after the Asbury Revival kind of just kind of stopped, last Sunday we spilled over into Rupp Arena, my family, I took my family, we went there to experience what was taking place with the overflow, and would revival continue on, why? Because if it's right here in our backyard, man, and we wanna seek after God, I wanna experience, I wanna see, I wanna be part of it. I don't just wanna read about it. I don't wanna go through church history and read about, man, great awakenings and spiritual revivals. I mean, I wanna see that movement happen. 
And who would ever thought that during COVID, there was a movie that was coming out that, that stopped in production, that has been delayed so many times and just happened to come out right after the Asbury Revival stopped, and that was the Jesus Revolution. Now, I normally don't endorse movies from the stage. If you've been around here a long time, I don't just endorse movies from the stage because always critics, and it's Hollywood, I get it, they make movies and stuff, but I would encourage every one of you to go watch that movie. Every one of you to go watch that movie. I was, it was, it was a man, I, was, oh, I cried through most, some of the parts. It just reminded me of how sinful I was and how holy God is. It reminded me of my calling in the ministry when God called me to ministry. It reminds us of our church, that we're a place that people, we're the second chance church. We're the place where you can start over. We're the place where people says, hey, you know, you know I, I don't want you here. You know what, we welcome you here. We planted this church 15 years ago with that mindset and it still is today. So you have this Asbury movement, you have the Jesus movement revolution that's taken place, which was amazing. For me, that equals awesomeness. And you get popcorn too while you watch it, so it's even, even better. And so I, I wanna share that because Time Magazine in 1966 put this on the front of their magazine. Is God dead? Now here's a picture of Time Magazine, 1966. It says, is God dead? And something happened in the late 60s into the early 70s, a movement started, and you can go watch the movie and this stuff. And in 1971, Time Magazine, five years later, wrote this, the Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution. It says, Jesus is alive. He's alive and well. This is amazing, this is right off Time Magazine. It's like, this is like, so Tom Ray realized there's something happened and so many things happened in that movement. In fact, some scholars and historians will say the last great awakening in America was this movement from the late 60s into the 70s. From that, even the Asbury Revival broke out in 1970 with this movement of the Jesus movement. And you know, I'm just so naive to sit here and beg, God, do it again. God, do it again. You've done it before, do it again. Let's see this revival take place. Let's see the church come alive and be revived. So I've studied revivals. I've studied it and talked about it. I went through in church history stuff. We talked about spiritual awakenings and all the great revivals and the awakenings. What, there is a difference between revivals and spiritual awakenings, and we'll talk about that as we unpack in this series. But of all the definitions I've read about revival, and there are tons of definitions, I really love the one that Henry Blackaby shares with us, and here's what he says, and we're gonna leave this up for a moment because I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack this, but I just wanna make sure that you catch this. Revival is a divinely initiated work, divinely initiated work, in which God's people, the church, the Christians, those who put their faith in Jesus, when God's people do what? They pray, they repent of their sins, they return to a holy, spirit-filled, obedient, love relationship with God. I'm gonna go through that one more time. Revival is divinely initiated work in which God's people, that is us, pray, repent of our sins, return to a holy, spirit-filled, obedient, love relationship with God. I love that definition of revival. Now it's long, right? I mean, you can probably get it down to like a smaller, but that is so good. And so what I wanna do is really unpack that 
definition so that when we leave here today, we will know what revival is, we will know what we're praying for as a church family for people to encounter Jesus over the next five to six weeks as we lead into Easter. We'll get an understanding of what that looks like for us as a corporate body, as we seek and pray for God to revive us again. So let's unpack this. One, he says it's divinely initiated. It's a divinely initiated work of God, which means God is the one who initiates. Christians, listen to this. You cannot resuscitate yourself. It is a work of God, it's the Spirit of God moving in you. The Spirit of God resuscitates you. If there's anything within you to desire to seek after God, pursue God, I would even go as far as to say, step into this building this morning or click and watch us online. You would have no desire whatsoever to do that if the Spirit of God was not drawing you. Because there's nothing within you to want to seek after the things of God. So just for you should be in here, because somebody's like, you don't know me, you don't understand me, and, and I don't think really God can use me, and I'm just here because someone made me come, or I just clicked and watched the link, or someone you know, told me they'd take me out to eat if I'd show up for church, and all this, my parents made me come, whatever it may be, listen to me. You would not be here if God wasn't divinely initiated right now drawing you. So you should stop right there and rejoice when you think, well, God doesn't love me, and God doesn't want to do anything with me, and God don't care about me, and God will never forgive me. Listen to me, honey. God woke you up this morning, and he brought you to this place. So I want you to see God is up to something in your life or online, or you would not even be tuned in right now. So it's a divinely initiated work of God. Second thing he says is that this is when God's people pray. When you could go all through the scripture. They cried out to God. And I can get into the cycle. I may get into the cycle next week or something. But what happens, God's people re rebelled. They worshiped false idols and gods. God brought judgment. They cried out in repentance. God brings refreshing. There's a renewal season. And then the cycle begins. God's people turn their back on him. They worship false idols. And we do all this all the time. God brings judgment. Then all of a sudden they repent and God brings refreshing, revival, restoration, renewal. And then God's people turn. It's all the way through the scriptures. You can see the cycle of revival over and over and over and over. And God's people will cry out in desperation. God, we want more of you. God, we need you. And God will answer that prayer. But you gotta hear this. Prayer always, always precedes Pentecost. Prayer always preceded Pentecost. When God's spirit is poured out and moved, it's because there were people begging God and praying, and when revival and spiritual awakening, six out of the seven great spiritual awakenings all started with young people. The one that the church normally overlooks started with young people when great revivals and spiritual awakenings took place. So they prayed, he says, and then the second part of that is that they repent of their sins. Now listen to me, I'm gonna be completely blunt here. There could be no revival without repentance. If there is no repentance, there will never be revival. Repentance means this, I turn my mind towards God, which turns my heart towards God, which turns my feet towards God. I change my mind, which changes my heart, which changes my actions. So when you repent of something, you turn from it towards God. So when I repent of whatever it is in your life, I'm gonna turn from this substance, I'm gonna turn from this, this gossiping, I'm gonna turn from this, this 
the things I see online, I'm gonna turn from what I, how bad I talk about people, whatever it may, whatever you struggle with, I'm gonna turn from it and I'm gonna turn towards God. That's what repentance is. So until we turn to God, there will be no revival without repentance. So we can pray for revival, but really at the end of the day, I really want, if, I really, I really, I really want to ask this question, do we really want revival? Do you really want to be revived? Because for that, your life will probably, my life will look completely different. Because it's no longer about me. It will be all about for him and his glory. And then they return to God. He says they repent of their sins, they return to God. And we see this in Malachi 3, 7. God's never moved. If you feel distance from God, he gives you a promise in the Bible. Watch it. If you're here and you feel far from God, here's what he says. If you will turn to me, I will return to you. James says it, Malachi says it, turn to God, he will turn to you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. God doesn't move, we move. So if you feel like you are far from God, draw near to him, turn to him. And he promises in the scripture, he will draw near to us. It's a promise and God cannot lie. So God is waiting for you to come and draw near to him and when you return to him, guess what happens? It leads to holiness. And it don't take a second to flip the screen on. Watch advertisements. See ads. That we are living in a very unholy, ungodly time. Very unholy and very ungodly. And God said, I'm gonna return back to holiness. When Isaiah saw God lifted up, he said, woe is me, get away, I am a sinner. You see, that's when we know we've experienced the presence of God. When we really get in revival, we see how holy he is and how sinful we are. Do you wanna be aware of how sinful we are? But it's God's kindness that leads us to, to, to repentance and when we see our sinfulness, we turn to God and we don't care and then all of a sudden God ushers in restoration and revival and he restores us as he leads us to holiness. He says that we'll be filled with joy. Remember I explained to you when I was at the Asbury, I really couldn't say nothing, I just felt joy. Just felt joy, just sense of overwhelming joy. There wasn't like no, you know, crazy, just like aha moment for me, and it's all subjective to everybody and their individual when they walk in there, but for me, I just felt overwhelmed, just joy, just joy. And I looked down, and guess what happened? Before I knew it, two hours has passed. It's like time stood still just for a moment. I just really can't explain it. I know I'm trying to kind of crazy. It just stood still. I think it was just because my heart was in tune with God, and I didn't care what anybody thinks. I didn't care what happened. I didn't care what was next. As for most of us, like, man, how long is this sermon gonna go? Where am I gonna eat after church is over? Can I make it out for the football game before it starts? Can we make it to the lake and stuff? Come on, come on, come on, come on, let's get it, I gotta get out of here. No wonder you, no wonder you don't encounter Jesus. And so there's overwhelming joy, and then he says there's a willingness to obey. Now you don't care what God, whatever God says to do, you do it. You go talk to people, you go share your story, you don't care. What, whatever God said to do it, you would do it because you don't care no more because you've encountered Jesus in a way and you say, I was once blind, but now I see and I cannot help but to tell people about the encounter I had with Jesus. That's when you know you've been restored. You've been revived in your heart and in your life, which he says in your blackaby, it now returns you to a loving relationship. I would, I would add a loving, really here, a fellowship back with the Lord. 
because I never stop in a relationship, I never stop being his son. As a Christian, you'll never stop being his daughter, but I will return the fellowship, the unity between me and the Father. And every time we forsake God, it's because we commit a spiritual adultery and we turn to something else instead of God. We have idols, your job, your career, your bank account, your, 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 what people think about you, your degrees, your intellect, you know, your following, all this stuff. We begin to worship idols and turn to what other people think and what brings us satisfaction instead of being satisfied in him. And so let me walk through just quickly a few misconceptions about revival and then we're gonna to begin to pray. And this, again, this whole series, today is just to really set this series up of what we're doing. I just really wanna share my heart for the first few weeks of this as we get into leading up to Easter because I really am expecting and anticipating God to do something great. And I want to invite you to be part of that and, 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 and for God to use you to impact the people around. So here's some misconceptions about revival. Some people believe that revival can be produced by human efforts. We cannot produce revival. Now listen, this is, I'm not trying to be offensive here to anybody in your background. Some of you were saved at revival meetings. You can't put a sign out, schedule a spring and fall revival as if you get to pick when God revives people. Revival is always spontaneous. It's never planned, it's sought after, it's prepared, you've got in position, but you can't bring it. Revival, remember, is God-initiated, not man-made. Man cannot make revival. We can get our hearts right, we can beg and cry out to God, God, bring revival to the land, break out a spiritual awakening that covers the earth, but we can't, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit moving. So you cannot, man can't make revival. But we can prepare and we can pray and we can plan and say, God, move. And when you're ready to move, we are ready. And God, start with us. In all great revivals and awakening, you will see this. Begging God for prayer, begging God to move. Heart's right, repenting before the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Some people believe revival can occur without repentance. I just talked about that. There's no way it can happen. There's no way that revival can come until people repent. Revival deals with the one thing. <laughs> Watch this. Revival deals with the one thing that hinders every one of us in our fellowship with God, and that is your sin. Revival deals with one thing. Watch this. One thing, your sin. That's what revival is for to revive you. When you look at that word revival and you think about it, because listen to the third and last misconception, is that revival is for unbelievers to be converted. Now you may have gone to revival, I've been in revival, people ask me to preach revival and what they'll say, we want evangelistic revival, we want people to be saved. But I'm here to tell you, lost people don't need revival. Lost people need revival. Revival is for the church. Re means again. Vival means to live. It literally means to live again, which means you were once alive in Christ. You were once alive, you were once fervency, you once had passion, you once had the desire, you once sought after the Lord, and then God revived you, returned you, 
brought you back from repentance to restore your broken fellowship. And now you've been revived. Revival is for the church. The fruit of revival is for the lost people. And that's the difference between revival and spiritual awakening. When the church is revived, awakening begins in lost people. You know why? Because the church has boldness and confidence and to walk out and share their testimony, share their story, and lost people now get saved because the church has been revived to go out into the world. That's the difference between revival and a spiritual awakening. And spiritual awakening always follows revival. It's always the fruit when lost people begin to get saved. So revival is for the church. It's for you, it's for me to be revived, to be with the boldness to go out and share our faith. And here's the problem. I wrote this down. I wanna read it, just make sure I get it right. The problem today is that churches are striving to win the world for Christ without first being revived themselves. So could you imagine? Every one of us come every Sunday when we gather in corporate worship, expecting God to move, anticipating pure heart. God, give us clean hands and a pure heart. Check my heart, my motives. Is there anything between us before I go worship with my family? Because I want to hear you today. I want to experience, I want to encounter you every time I come and worship with our corporate family. Could you imagine? The freedom to God to move in a place because we want him to. We desire him to do that. So I'm going to close with Psalms 85. And this is my prayer. Again, today I just want to share my heart, set up the series where we're going because I've been praying for you. And I, here's what I'll pray for you, that you will encounter Jesus somehow, way, over the next several weeks. And that through your encounter, you'll realize how holy he is and how sinful we are. And through that week's kindness, we will repent and return our fellowship, that we will be close to him. As we draw near to him, he said he would draw near to us so that we would have the boldness to go out and share our story and our testimony that God through you will share your story and you'll see lost people saved or God through you, share your story and they will go to a place over the next several weeks, lead them to Easter, where they can hear the gospel preached and they will be awakened inside. That they will get vival life because of your boldness. Psalms 85 says this, and this is my prayer, this is what I've been praying. Lord, Pour out your blessing on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. How many of you are thankful that all your sins are covered? All, all. 
So let me just clarify this real quick. So if God's forgiving me all my sins, then why do I still confess my sins? If God has forgiven me of all my sin, my past, my present, my future, if all my sins are covered, then why do I confess my sins? I don't confess my sins to be saved again. I confess my sins to restore the broken fellowship between me and God because sin breaks your fellowship. It doesn't kick you out of the family. It breaks your fellowship before God. So I confess my sin and confession means agreement. God, you're right, I'm wrong. That's sin and you're right. My heart is broken and contrite. I repent of that sin. I turn from that sin and I restore our fellowship with you. That's why we confess. Verse three, you held back your fury. You kept back your blazing anger. Now God, restore us again. The God of our salvation, put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all the generations? Won't you, look here, look here, revive us. Again, so your people can rejoice in you. And this is my prayer, is that God would revive us again. And I beg God it starts with me. And I want you to beg God it starts with you. And so whatever is between you and the Lord, deal with your sin. When you come to corporate worship gatherings, come expecting, anticipating, encountering. Get before a holy, righteous God. Get up five minutes early and say, God, before I worship with my family, just check my heart. Is there any unconfessed sin? Is there anything between me and you? Because I, when I go and worship with my family, I want to encounter you. I want to experience you. I want to hear from you. And we can come with ears to hear and eyes to see the Lord. I'm gonna ask you, Will, just to bow your heads. Oh God, will you revive us again? And will you start right here with your people? So before you leave and going back into your life this week, what is it today that God wanted to speak to you? As you reflect back over through our worship time together, through just sharing our story, what is it that God wants to speak to you? He woke you up and brought you, what is it? Ask him, God, what, did you, what do you wanna do in me? And then whatever he tells you, just be obedient. And maybe God brought you here today to give your life to Jesus. In fact, I know he wants you to give your life to Jesus. And you could do that right where you sit. You can repent and turn to him. Prayer doesn't save you, but you can cry out to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. I have blown it. I have sinned against you. And today I repent of my sin and I put all my faith and trust in you. And as best as I know how, I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you, man, listen, we are gonna rejoice. We wanna know, campus pastor or host, they're gonna come out and tell you just in a moment your next step. I know your next step is to be baptized. Why wait? We're ready today, we'll baptize you. We got another one coming up. 
and follow Jesus in baptism, to put the jersey on, show the whole world that you're a follower of Jesus. God, I have no idea what you're up to. Who knows the mind of Christ? Were we there, God, when you flung the stars into the universe? Were we there when you spoke everything into existence? Were we there when you already knew in your mind that your son would die for us? Were we there, God, when you made a way when there was no way? God, no one knows what you're up to. And God, whatever you have planned for the future, we pray, God, that a spiritual awakening is in our midst. That God, our whole world, but God, our country will repent, that we will turn to you. God, you will heal us. God, that revival will break out that leads into a spiritual awakening in our generation. And God, that we don't just have to hear about it, we don't have to just read about it, but God, we can experience and be part of it. And what you started just 65 miles away from here, God, I pray will birth out through all college campuses. I think a time of renewal and refreshing and restoration will take place. Oh God, revive us again. As we pray and repent and listen to the preaching of your word because without your word to hear truth and conviction, to repent of our sin, to pray and to cry out, may your word be boldly proclaimed throughout this land. For it's your name I ask and I pray, amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us online today. If you felt led to take any next steps throughout this message, we would love to connect with you. You can best do that at betterlife.church slash next steps. If you would like to stay connected with us, um, you can download our